It's issue number 48 of the Infinite Backlog, a chronological tour of the best and most noteworthy Marvel comics. I'm Andy, the Craven Churl, and with me are my co-hosts, Shane, the Roast Ghosty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> and Shades. Oh, hey. Otherwise known as Rory. That's right, baby. Today, we are going to go ahead and read some comics that you could say, are written about major characters with the names Daredevil, Dazzler, and Moon Knight. And they're going to take us all the way from March to June of 1981. And I got a few Andy's bummers for you today. Some of them ride the line. Uh, I don't know. Let's throw this one out as a little test balloon. How do you feel about this one? President Reagan shot in the chest in a failed assassination attempt by John Hinckley Jr., who really hoped it would impress Jodie Foster. Yeah, I suppose the failure there is a bummer. Yeah, the failures. <laughs> I mean, at the time, you if I were alive at the time, you you don't necessarily wish for assassinations to be successful on no, sitting American no. presidents. Yeah. Uh, looking backward at the damage he managed to do over the next eight years, uh, yeah, I would have been fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't who was his VP? Was it George? Was it George H. W.? I don't remember anymore because I'm horrible at history. I get these from Wikipedia. Um, you guys are so good at knowing things. No, I'm horrible. I literally, <laughs> I literally look things up and type them out for this. I don't know things, Shane. <laughs> hey, how, how about this one? You're gonna, you're gonna really, you're gonna really love this one. The CDC reports that five homosexual men have a rare form of pneumonia, usually seen as a sign of a weakened immune system. They, of course, have the first official cases of AIDS. So that's a bummer. That's a big bummer. bummer. Welcome to the AIDS epidemic. I feel like that one was, I mean, we do call this segment Andy's Bummers, (laughs) but there's things that it doesn't feel appropriate to say what that was a bummer. Like, I know it doesn't doesn't quite. It's it's too it's too big to be like, yeah, Yeah, bummer. bummer. Yeah. Yeah, that is a new it's a new sub segment we could call Andy's Super Bummers. Super <laughs> <laughs> Andy's Mega Bummers. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty it's a giga bummer right there. Here, let's get a light let's get a lighthearted one in here. Um Robert Redford's movie Ordinary People somehow beats Scorsese's Raging Bull for Best Picture at the Oscars. And I think that still makes me mad. It's not like Ordinary People's a bad movie, but have you ever seen Raging Bull? It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And maybe I've that's... I've never seen maybe, either of those. Uh, I don't know how... Yeah. <laughs> the, the Oscars have always been <laughs> a trash, marketing... Yes. No, not just trash. Not trash. I'm not saying that there's no merit to them whatsoever, but uh-uh. they're a marketing wing of the Hollywood you know, business model. They are not... They're not some sort of independent rating system. Like no. everybody acts like they <laughs> that they should be, and it's like it's so egregious that we don't have foreign films on there. So like it's like twofold. So for one, people act like they're a big deal, and then they, and then and then by not doing foreign films, it's some sort of snubbing them. It's like no, this mm-hmm. this is a marketing thing. This is not. Yeah, these guys are not some sort of prestigious body of uh, of scholars. Uh, this yeah, is exactly. Well, and you know. It's it's maybe another example of why, like, I don't think I don't think it's always the case. Right. But frequently the year a piece of art comes out is maybe not the best, like, perspective to have on that art. I mean, it's how we experience it. But then looking back, I'm like, Raging Bull is a film of far more complexity and value to me. Right. Like, that's a much more interesting piece of of cinema that does something cool. Also, Shane, you should see Raging Bull. It's it's uh, it's dope. There's no singing and dancing, though. Shut up. 
I know you're talking to Andy and not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is it is it only like super fun and cool and not super fun and cool, but like, is it a great is it a great piece of art because it had time to mature and our, our viewpoints on what made it artistically good well, changed? I, I think a little column A, a little column B. It It is such an incredible dramatic piece of almost it's like almost a one man show. Yeah, it's um, like De Niro's finest work, some could say. And you maybe don't know that that is the case at the time, right? Like, you need time sure. for that to develop. Um, no, it was a good movie at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was nominated I mean, for Best Film. Yeah. What I think is crazy, and I, I'm not like Scorsese's hugest fucking, you know, diehard fan or anything, but I do think it's crazy it took him another 26 years to even get a single Oscar, um, which just is is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, but also Scorsese is kind of a fun guy to bring up on a Marvel podcast, given all of his <laughs> comments in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, but I think it's still kind of an old fuddy duddy take that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not Marvel's fault that the business model for making good cinema has completely deteriorated. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that they're what's left is a byproduct, not an attack on cinema. Right. <laughs> and also like. I, I, I found myself really agreeing. And, and if anybody doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, Scorsese's just basically gone on record a couple of years ago being like, I don't think any of these Marvel movies, these superhero movies are true cinema, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he expands on it and explains his point. But like I what I really thought was interesting are the the filmmakers who have like legit good careers who have worked with Marvel on some of these flicks like uh, like James Gunn. Favreau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Favreau, like like. James Gunn, I remember tweeting something like, dude, I remember I remember like being so upset when people picketed uh, Last Temptation of Christ without having even seen the movie. And now and like I idolized your work and now you're going to say some bullshit about mine. Like, (laughs) I I love these Guardians movies I make. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's just it's it's interesting. You know, like, I, I don't think I don't think it's nice to shit on other people like like peers work just because you don't just because you think your work is a little more like valuable or whatever well, like there, i don't know it's it, kind of a shitty take be a thing i mean scorsese cohen brothers spielberg they they all ha- shared a similar uh filmmaking sort of uh space where regardless of where you exactly you fell on that commercial versus artistic sort of thing mm-hmm. everybody knew the game and the game was the same you do you do a big budget Hollywood film, then you get to do something cool, right? They, yeah. You, just, you dance back and forth, and you don't <laughs> just do Incredible Hulk one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I I I would tend to agree that like you're kind of talking out of school here, especially at you know as, as you are part of the the community that failed to keep cinema relevant. <laughs> sure, sure. There's no law saying that. Marvel movies have to earn more money than Scorsese films. Other than no, one is what people wanted, and one is what people didn't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It speaks a lot to the evolution of art forms. Like, it's not he still he still thinks that the art form is the same as it was sixty years ago. But the art form is the same. The business has changed. The I f- I disagree because he talks very specifically about how. His movies convey a human experience. It's about the human experience. And that's what that's what theater, that's what movies, that's what that's what live action is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a look into life, people telling stories. Right. And just because the stories are larger than life and just because they're superheroes and just because they're aliens doesn't mean that the audience can't connect to them in a real human way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then what has changed? I would say the heart of it is the same, but the, the way it looks is not the same. And that's what he's mad about. I guess. Yeah. There's been genre and everything and some people hate it and some people love it. And what can you do? I think I think what's tough is that Scorsese, I think I think my 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 little dime dime a dozen take on it is that he is coming from a perspective of having come up in a completely different like atmosphere and Mm -hmm. and ecosystem. Yeah. And so now he's standing essentially at the top of the old crew. And he can make whatever movie he wants. Yeah, th- that's being sort of pushed out to sea. And he's right. complaining but, about the mainland. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but he can make any movie he wants right now. And he can be as artsy as he wants. And it will probably still make money because it has his name on it. But like, 
I think the silence was a big was a big flop, wasn't it? Oh wasn't yeah, it? I don't know. I don't know how much movie that money that made. Wait, which one? Silence. That was his sort of last the one of his only movies that really sort of broke out of his out of his mold that he exists in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just funny. It's it's like, you know, man who was man who was king wonders why everyone else isn't you know what I mean? Like, why is it successful in the way he was? Why the peasants hate him, too. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I like I like going on digressions with y'all. It's fun. And and I think we we still have a really good crop of uh, com- comics to talk about today because I, I actually I, I really fucking enjoyed everything. I, I don't know if that's going to be the experience across the table here, but. <laughs> I had so much fun, even with the shittiest Dazzler comic. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I want to get into Dazzler more than anything. This is... <laughs> I think I think this is bad in the funniest way the, of anything that we've read. It's so pretty far. It's pretty good as, as, uh, as that bad good content. It's... Mm-hmm. Mostly what I found surprising about it was the need to jam in a hundred other characters. Yeah, uh, they had to like, sell well, it. They had to especially sell this comic. Like this, especially it's the first issue of somebody's like breakout, their breakout comic. They're they're breaking away from an ensemble cast to do a solo run. And the first thing they do is just j- jam as many side superheroes into this thing as humanly <laughs> possible. Yeah. It's an odd choice. It's it's interesting. I don't uh, according to the Marvel Wiki that I'm looking at. I don't help me understand this sentence. I don't know if I fully understand what they're getting at. It says this was Marvel's first direct market only comic. Parentheses. It was not available via the newsstand market and had a huge circulation, way above average for popular titles of the day. Uh, I'm not sure I know what that means either. Does that mean you ordered it online or not online? But you know, like yeah, some sort that's. Of- you probably had to you probably had to order it out of the catalog because it doesn't have like uh, the normal stuff that comics have on the cover. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there um, were there established comic book shops by the by 81? You would think there would be. Yeah. But also also like I do still think that a lot of these were in. I mean, like it said, like newsstand type stuff like. Well, uh, yes, but like, you so know, there's... with the magazines. Yeah. And and so it, in my time as a comic book reader, uh, like getting, you know, going getting paper comics at the brick and mortar shop yep everything is basically done that way yes they can make some large assumptions like we'll probably sell our batmans right yep mm-hmm. but, but but you can order them every single direct. comic is 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 cataloged and, and ordered well and uh, i specifically I mean, we we've talked about this before but my my like my experience as a comic book reader was largely sonic the hedgehog focused when i was a young boy <laughs> and Early on, I would go to the comic book store and get issues when I was like, you know, first reading them early uh, in like the 20s, the issues 20, 30, et cetera. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go get it. There's a new one out. There's a new one out. But eventually, like either I or my mom got tired of having to like go to the store every month specifically to go find an issue of Sonic that I think we we were like, no, we're just gonna literally subscribe like a magazine. And I from that point forward got it in the mail every month. Uh, which was so much more fucking convenient. So if that's how they did this mm-hmm. for Dazzler, like, yes, I totally like understand that model. But uh, yeah, it, it's something more convenient. That's probably why everyone else is in it, right? Like, if <laughs> yeah, I, it, you are not going to have anyone order this comic unless you have everyone else inside of it. Yeah, unless Spider Man's on the cover, unless Iron Man's <laughs> on the cover, unless Enchantress is on the cover, unless Nightcrawler's <laughs> on the cover. Yes, they're all on the cover. <laughs> And talk about a writer who doesn't know what they're like the other heroes they're writing, where Peter like <laughs> tries to murder Nightcrawler for answering a phone because he's got a hot date. <laughs> like <laughs> it's the most oh out God. of out of context, like tone deaf reading of this character. Yeah, that's Peter Rasputin. Peter Rasputin, <laughs> Colossus. Yeah, and I mean Sp- Spider Man, the other Peter is is written like a thirty year old. And like oh my he's God. drawn like a thirty year old. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't know. We don't. We haven't been reading Spider Man, so I don't know what his status is in terms of like relationships. But clearly, in Dazzler issue two, uh, he's single because they're at this disco, and he's like macking on some girl, 
And when all, when everything goes to shit at the disco and everyone has to leave, Peter has this line where he says, just my luck. I was grooving on a perfect 10 when <laughs> things started happening. <laughs> Dude's grooving on a perfect 10? What? <laughs> I mean, Peter's always been a little bit of a fuck boy, but I don't know. It just doesn't. Those words don't seem like they'd come out of his mouth in that way. I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. The writing and the art to some degree. I didn't I wasn't in love with uh I think it's I think it's Ramita Jr. John you Ramita know, Jr. And and in an odd and, and perhaps the most ironic uh part of it all, Dazzler's not nearly as cool as she is in X-Men. Right? Like like when we the last we saw her, she was she was a, a useful, competent, you know, heroine. And in this she's just sort of a goofball. I mean, we yeah. get a little bit of her backstory, which is nice. Like, you know, her dad wants her to go to law school and she just wants to sing and dance. <laughs> she just wants to be sparkly and sing and dance. I okay. The I, I was reading this in a cafe <laughs> earlier today, and I had to stop myself from constantly laughing because here's here's what I understand. When we uh, the X-Men haven't heard from her since I think at the editor's note said X-Men 130, which I think is the one that we, you know, with the with the disco and the and the brotherhood and whatnot. Right. I mean, like when we first met her. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't had any contact with them. So presumably she hasn't had any contact with any of these other heroes outside of Spider-Man, which, which I think he like that was in a different issue that we didn't read of Spider-Man. And she explicitly talks about how her career is like not off the ground yet and she's having trouble getting work. So no one should even know her as a singer. And yet Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four are all getting gussied up to show up to her fucking debut disco performance. And they all have (laughs) such invested like like they all want her to succeed so bad. It's like, how do you fucking know who Dazzler is? Ben Grimm. How do any of you know her? And why it's, does why, she has some sort of like we don't ever meet who who sort of gave her her uh, her James Bond gadgets, but she's got these sort of magnetic <laughs> roller skates that attach to her shoes. So disco. <laughs> it's so disco. <laughs> she's ready to do Starlight Express and fight villains. <laughs> she she it just says she invested in a pair of her custom built skates. It doesn't like. Wow. She, just, yes, she, just, I know. she designed everything else. Everything else was all her except the skates. I love I love that one of the first things we see her do in issue one is put on her special magnet roller skates that attach to her boots, <laughs> pull out a radio that starts playing a Pink Floyd song, and then use the Pink Floyd song to make light magic happen while she roller skates away from bad guys. It's <laughs> like just imagining this like Pink Floyd. <laughs> like what Pink Floyd song? Some of them are pretty not upbeat. Yeah, no, no, it's clearly it must be a reference to la- it must be a reference to Laser Floyd, right? I don't know yeah, what other point there could possibly be to bring up to do it at that like that at that time. Yeah, because I'm just imagining us and them playing while she's fighting a bad guy. I'm like, <laughs> no, this isn't working for me. Uh, I don't know. Dazzler's crazy. I, I wonder how long they're going to keep up this disco thing while disco's dying. <laughs> uh, because it's 1981. Mm-hmm. I know it held out for a little bit, but we're not going to be doing disco for very long. Like, no, but gonna it's going to go... turn in. It's going to turn into like wham and Duran Duran. It's not going to, you know, it's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to uh, obliterate. It's not going to implode sure. like a dying star. Mm-hmm. I just love the tone. Like I love, I love the tone of yeah. the comics. Yeah. And, and, with how bad every comic we've ever read has been in issue one, it's hard to be too judgmental about, about Star of Dazzler, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I There's there's even like a couple of really funny moments to me as well. Uh, as bad as we thought that they portrayed the other heroes, there's a moment, right? So like in issue two, she's got this break because Beast, who's never met her before, rushes to her apartment to tell her about an opening for a disco singer. And is also like, nice to meet you, I beast. <laughs> it it kind of makes you wonder whether or not all these heroes are uh, are just attracted to her. Because like, I don't know, like I, I, don't, I wasn't sure, like I definitely got that vibe from Beast, but he's been portrayed pretty consistently as a weird horn dog. But since none of them have like even met her before, like I'm like, how do you, why do you? There, there seems to be, especially in these comics that uh, want to do a large cast without explaining how or why that's feasible or or even everybody's at the same place 
it sort of it sort of warps into superhero high school and everybody seems to just know each other and be invited to the same things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have like a, a Slack channel. So I, w- I will a Slack channel. Shut up. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's believable. To me, that's believable. As yeah. If you if you work in like the entertainment industry at all, you get to know everyone else in the entertainment industry. You don't necessarily meet them, but mm. you get to know, but you get to know everyone else. You know what I mean? Like George Clooney and Matt Damon, if even if they had never worked together, they know who the other person is. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that's true. Yeah, but I suppose the, the the part of it that makes it less believable is how it's inconsistent, right? Where like sometimes we're reading Spider-Man and no other hero shows up. Uh-huh. And he can't and he doesn't have like he doesn't have uh, the Beast's phone number to call him if he needs backup, you know? Right. But then sometimes all of a sudden they're all on the same page and can easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. And nobody bothers to stop and be like, hey, you want to? Tell me your phone number. I should have called Spider-Man last week. I should call <laughs> Spider-Man every week. <laughs> but they're all at this de- debut performance and Enchantress. And we're not even going to get into Enchantress. She's just doing some villain shit. Literally Enchantress shows up and causes mayhem. So all the heroes who are like dressed up for disco are like, shit, we got to go get into our costumes so that we can help. And Peter runs into the bathroom only to find all the stalls are occupied by heroes <laughs> changing costume. <laughs> and he's like, damn it. <laughs> and I thought that was a really funny, like self-aware funny. visual gag. <laughs> before we before we walk our way out of Dazzler. So I I'm, I want to say we, we added Dazzler in here as sort of a, a, a random thought because Rory realized that there was a solo title going on at this exact time. And we were... We didn't want to just do seven issues of Daredevil. We, we like having a little bit of variety. And, well, and we also have more than seven Daredevil to get to. At some point, we yes. may decide to just power hour our way through Daredevil. But uh, we have a period of time that's almost exclusively. Well, it's exclusively Daredevil for that period of time. And it remains yeah. heavily featured, uh, you know, on the wings of that uh, time period. So we thought we'd we thought we'd play around with some some things that aren't uh, originally on the list. Especially yeah, if the list has proven itself incredibly fallible no totally and i mean (laughs) you know there's nothing there's nothing that says there's not equal value content outside or on the list right i mean it's just sort of like whatever your tastes are i liked getting to take a brief chance over here on dazzler it was a fun little it was a fun little peek i don't have faith in it as a long-term title i'd I'd be be willing to read one more but maybe jump ahead a little bit maybe do a little Mm. research and see see if it kind of hits a stride all right. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. I'm I'm not against it at all. Dazzler is a is a a fun little conundrum for me. I really I really want to make sure we talk about this last moment though because even though everything goes to shit at her debut performance, some guy is like, "Here, have this card of a guy I know. He's like a music producer and I really liked the way you sang." And she goes to meet with him and he's a sour piece of shit, you know, classic sort of music executive guy. And he's gonna basically throw her out, except he looks over and out the window are all of the heroes we just mentioned going, let her sing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you guys have the world to save? What the fuck are you doing right now? (laughs) Fucking Wolverine is just hanging out outside a penthouse window going like, come on, she's really good. (laughs) And she gets a record deal. And apparently the issue after this fights Dr. Doom. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be happy to come back to Dazzler. Let's take a look, see what we can find. On the topic of things that we wanted to throw in to, to add a little spice. I know, Shane, last week you expressed a desire to not do Moon Knight anymore. And I was in the middle somewhere and Rory did want to do a little more. So as a as a bit of a, you know, a token. We've As got a big a, we, fuck you to Shane. A big fuck <laughs> you to Shane. We skipped ahead a couple issues and read a two-part story of Moon Knight about uh, about hallucinogen, hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yeah, did, did you hate this too? Um, I did not hate it. Hey, it's a win in my book. I didn't like it, but ah, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have some good things to say about these about these issues. Well, tell me, what did you like? Okay, well, so first off, 
we got to talk about the opening of the first one, right? Where he gets his new little mustache that he he's like, oh, <laughs> uh, oh my disguise is complete. I have a mustache. This will help Jake Lockley a lot to have this shitty little mustache. It's it's just it's nothing. I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> but we he gets into he gets into more really gross conversation and really more gross dialogue with girl, right? Yeah, yeah, Marlene. He's so verbally abusive to her and. They they always portray her as just being like just laughing it off and sloughing it off or whatever. But we catch up with the main point that's happening in the story. This lady starts gnawing this guy's face off. She, starts, <laughs> she just starts biting this dude's face, right? Such a, it's like bath salts. Oh, it, it is, is bath, like bath salt. <laughs> it is bath salt extravaganza. And so, I mean, come, come to find out that the, the city's water supply is being drugged. People are hallucinating by these guys trying to get millions of dollars from the city. It's not terrible. Um, and I really enjoyed the 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 way Moon Knight looks. Yeah, I have I have started enjoying sort of the the eye shapes that he has. Like the artist was having a lot of fun giving him expressions using using his eyes. And like, it's just a black hole with two blue dots. Yeah, I was going to say he's got these ghostly blue eyes floating yeah. under this cowl. That's kind of cool looking. Yeah, and it's kind of doing that um like Final Fantasy mage nonsense where you know what emotions he's portraying because of the shape of those eyes. It's really neat. Uh, it's really uh-huh. cool. Yeah. On the on the topic of the 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 early stuff with Jake, I there's one one line that he speaks that kind of surprised me because right now we've been talking about like how he is it seems like they're they're not really riding the line or making a choice on whether or not he truly has multiple personalities or he is just getting into different costumes. And yeah, they really knowingly. treat it like costumes that he moves fluidly between and has perfect understanding. Uh, yeah. Most of the time. And then sometimes there's some weird line where. Uh, yeah. Like J. Uh, the where uh, Lockley, Lockie, Lockley, right? Lockley. Yeah. Lockley, like, the cabbie. Is I guess jealous of uh, yes yeah of, of, of Stephen rich, Grant of Stephen Grant mm-hmm. yeah he's like Grant doesn't deserve her it's mm-hmm. like what because I feel like a, a couple panels before that he's like no don't talk to me like that I'm Grant right now I'm not I'm not, or, or I'm I'm Lockley right now I'm not Grant like showing an obvious understanding that he's both of those people. <sighs> And then a couple panels later, he says that thing. And it's like, I really don't know what we're doing, but I, I guess it's kind of interesting. It, it feels sloppy and unintentional, but that is kind of tapping into that weird juice of Moon Knight that I've already mentioned, where mm-hmm. like, we don't know how, if at all, mentally ill he is, or if he's yeah. got some sort of actual spooky wizard curse, or if his <laughs> mental illness is making up the curse. Like, we don't know anything about the reality really right. of his of his of his circumstances which can be fun but here it's confusing and doesn't seem like it's an, like i said a, an right. intentional choice yeah cuz later writers of moon knight play with that far more directly and intentionally uh-huh. in a way that's very satisfying right like where mm-hmm. where even the reader can't tell whether or not konshu is real and he has actual like god powers like that that's fun what i don't like is being in this place where it seems like the writer kind of doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> Or the writer wants to use that as an excuse for him to beat up on this lady. <laughs> yeah, he does punch a lady. I mean, but, she's... I'm, but not even just the one time. Like it, it's it seems like the the whole center of their relationship is based on him having three personalities and being real, real mean to her. Yeah, it's really it's very odd. So much that her her psychotic break because she drinks the water. Her psychotic break is then rooted in her like portrayal of him being abusive to her right because she's yeah, waiting she, for him she's like you made me into this yeah you made me this I mean, she's very spooky it turns into a horror movie for a little bit when she gets when she drinks the spooky water she like she like they start drawing her like like i thought we were reading tomb of dracula for a second yeah, and that was the best part and she's like holding a piece of broken glass like a knife and she's getting ready to like stab him as soon as he walks through the door and it's like oh god she's scary I want to point out there's a fun montage that happens when we first see like people drinking the water across Chicago because this is happening in Chicago. It can't happen in New York. Otherwise, the other heroes would need to get involved. So we use a different city where no one has heroes like Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there <laughs> one of the, 
first ones we see is this family getting ready in the morning. And the mom is like boiling water, like for tea or coffee or something on in like a kettle on the stove. And the onomatopoeia for the kettle being ready to go is crazy. <laughs> it's just the word crazy. And it slowly turns into the E of a, of a squealing kettle. And I, I hated it so much. <laughs> That's the most on the nose hacky bullshit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting, I guess for me, it was an interesting couple of issues because uh, Moon Knight's already kind of weird and trippy, and then you make him see strange Moon Kings uh, that he has to fight, and he's like mistaking an oncoming train for a giant snake, and you know, it's that it's that kind of like. Uh, Mysterio Spider-Man Spider-Man dynamic that is always sort of fun, but I don't know. Not not terribly uh exciting, I guess, on the whole, but visually cool. Yeah. And at one point he does punch a guy in the dick and it and it makes <laughs> the uh it it makes the sound effect shumped. <laughs> shumped. Okay. Daredevil. Some three good issues of Daredevil. Three really, uh, really good issues of Daredevil. Just fucking good issues of Daredevil. It's not fair. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's sometimes. Listen, sometimes it's not fair to have a comic like Daredevil do these three issues. And then in the same week, I have to read Moon Knight. Dazzler's good. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far with you, Shay. Dazzler is fine. Dazzler is what I Dazzler's expect. Dazzler's fine. Dazzler's fine. You don't like Moon Knight, but Daredevil is an objective good. It's fucking incredible. Matt, Matt, uh, Frank Miller is uh, popping off immediately. They've they've yeah. given him the reins, and he's like, "Oh, you want to see what I can do?" Bam! <laughs> this is our raging bull. This was this week's raging bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we get we get just to really briefly summarize. We get one uh, sort of self contained story issue about uh, Bullseye. And him having escaped from prison and having to deal with that. And then we get the first two issues of a short ongoing story uh, with the first interactions between Daredevil and Kingpin, uh, who will become like, I I think that Frank Miller essentially transitions Kingpin from being considered a primary Spidey villain to a primary Daredevil villain. And it starts here. So it's fucking cool. And honestly, like you can you can feel the Netflix show in this more than anything we've read oh, so yeah. far. And I love that. I fucking love it. The, the vibe is so strong. The character development in the Bullseye issue is so incredible. You it, mean like uh, with Bullseye himself? No, I mean I mean with Daredevil, like at the end of the issue where Oh yeah. So so essentially he like Bullseye has has a has a tumor, right? And so the yeah. tumor is pushing against his brain he's hallucinating seeing all everyone dressed as daredevils he's he's beating people up or whatever he's beating everyone up like randos on the street yeah randos on the street and so you know like daredevil chases him down into the subway and they have this epic fight and he daredevil smashes his face into everything he can and then he's laying in front of the train and daredevil has a moment where he like steps out of the way and he's like oh good i'm just going to let him get hit by this train it's going to be fine well and he's pretty fucked up and he's like i thank god i'm too weak i don't have to like i don't have to worry about it yeah this. this isn't the choice i have yeah but then he kind of realizes maybe that's denial and jumps down to the track and pull him up at the last yeah. second he pulls him out at yeah. the last second and yeah it's like he gets it from both sides right because right before this moment he's thinking to himself like you deserve to die bullseye i hate you and then as soon as he saves him and he's debriefing with like this cop or detective or whatever that the cop's like yeah he's gonna go free and he's gonna kill someone again and then it'll be your fault and like that's how we like leave the issue it's like <laughs> uh shitty shitty poops that's bad that feels really bad i i'm excited for bullseye as we keep reading this, because my understanding is that Bullseye is one of the more interesting, like rogues gallery of Daredevil, just in terms of. Well, yeah, he's I mean, I think this this makes it pretty clear that he's sort of established as Daredevil's Joker, as this person he's sort of. Yeah. Personally responsible for <laughs> that, that his code of ethics, uh, it, you know, has a flaw and that flaw will directly. uh butt up with uh, what everything Bullseye does is sort of going to be tangentially related to Daredevil's inability to 
to properly um, see justice done when it comes yeah. to to this character. Yeah, you're right. It's it's totally the Joker dynamic. Yeah, I was struggling to to place that, but that's exactly right. And it's a good dynamic, you know. I mean, yeah. plagiarism or not, like no, he's not... nothing like the Joker. It's just uh, exactly. that's the sort of that's the dynamic. Is yeah, if, if Joker is Batman's greatest failure, then so far mm-hmm. Bullseye would be Daredevil's. Well, and especially because you know all Bullseye ever does when they like have him tied up or locked up or medicated or whatever is yell out "Fuck you, Daredevil! I'm gonna come coming for you, Daredevil!" <laughs> It's like, oh, God, he's going to come for me, isn't he? Yeah, you're all he talks about. <laughs> you're literally all he ever talks about. We have a couple really fun appearances of, of Turk. I don't know if we talked about him on the podcast yet, but Turk is kind of this like, I mean, he's like a, he's like a, a, a street criminal jobber. He seems to work for everybody. And uh, whenever Daredevil needs to get info, like Turk he's, is the first stop. This guy up, yeah. He's yeah, he's like, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun that they don't have a working relationship at all, right? He's not right. like an informant for Daredevil. He's just this guy Daredevil chooses <laughs> to like beat on. <laughs> There's a really, I don't remember which issue it's in, but it's so funny. Like uh, Matt beats the fuck out of like everybody in a bar after like one. He's like, I need to find Vanessa, and everyone's like. Oh, you shouldn't have said that oh, name. Oh, you shouldn't have said that name. And, and he he ends up beating the shit out of the whole bar. And one of the only people left standing is is Turk. And Turk like finds a way to like flip it like this was his idea. And he's like, "All right, we're taking you to the kingpin, like it or not." And another guy's like, "That's what he wanted." He's like, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. I like Turk a lot. Didn't they do him in the show? He's I in the Netflix remember. show. I didn't watch the show yet. Oh, wow. You should watch. Oh, fuck. I know. Oh, Daredevil's so good. It's I was waiting until we read it. You told me to wait till we read it. Yeah, it's well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I told you that. <laughs> I, it's probably on one of the podcasts. Maybe, maybe. But it is cool. It is. It is very cool. I love I love the uh, I love the show. And now it's uh, I mean, I guess slight spoiler warning. Right. But like. That there have been there have been developments lately in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that have at least slightly confirmed the show as being sort of continual canon to some degree. So it's yeah, it's not... I have I have uh, limited faith they're going to sort of re keep doing those stories the way they were making uh, specifically Daredevil and Punisher to a lesser degree Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, which I think fit better into the current Marvel umbrella. Yeah, Daredevil I... and, and Punisher kind of they were pretty pretty fucking dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. Jessica Jones one was pretty dark. Two was, I think, kind of marvelly, a little, a little flowery. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, uh, but yeah, there's still there's still merit in watching the Netflix Daredevil, and I I think you should. I think anybody absolutely should. Season three of Daredevil is one of my favorite seasons of. Yeah, I mean, short of anything else, I mean, yeah, right. Like Charlie Cox is going to be playing Daredevil in in some form. Yeah. Anyway, they're really good, and you should watch them, Shane. Absolutely. Okay, definitely. They're they're great to they're great to 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 marathon or whatever. So let's talk about Kingpin. Uh, he is a lot scarier than the last time we saw him on the pages of Spider Man. Uh, he has he's definitely done some some development. It I guess I would I would assume that Frank Miller just like really liked him as a villain and is like, well, I'm gonna bring him over here. I got Daredevil. I may as well yeah, like, use him. It's interesting to know, uh, we'd have to go back and kind of compare to how he left off, but he does have that sort of obsessive quality uh, with Vanessa. That's yeah. Really, that's, uh, you know, yeah. um, we don't quite see her. And I, I guess it's unlikely we will in this version until there's a, a, a retcon. Her sort of complicitness in, in the criminality. Uh, like it, Right. It, it was always sort of, it's one of the more interesting parts of this dynamic where like he's this sort of, He's not a stalker type because she wants to be with him, but he basically mm-hmm. stalks her and she's just like manipulative and down with it. Like they're both yeah. super gross and problematic. Yes. I think what's fun, what's what's fun and interesting about Kingpin and we see it in these issues is that, you know, that like obviously crime's his deal. He's really into crime and he really likes being the boss and he likes running shit and like all that stuff is good. But he'd light it all on fire for Vanessa. And I think that that's like the most it's it's not particularly complex or anything. It's not very original, but like it is the most compelling part of Kingpin 
to me is that like well it's 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 like one Achilles heel right like he it's mm-hmm. not that he's it's not it's not that he's done that with other with other paramours in the past or would in the future it's like there's this one person that he's uh-huh that he's obsessive and and weird about and and willing to to walk away for yeah and i think i think that's i think that's really interesting um we see him here having been essentially probably in you know in stuff we didn't read right but like uh, he has been it's just in Tokyo beating up ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> he hires and he's but but he hires them to fight him. Yeah, hires ninjas to, to try to fight him. And then he's like, I need it. I need I need at least twice the number of ninjas. More ninjas. <laughs> this is this. I didn't even break a sweat. I need more ninjas. Uh, and I guess he's probably been run out of run out of the country for you know for reasons of one thing it or another, like- right? He's sort of only sort of semi in hiding. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the attorney general knows where to find yeah. him. He could return. But yeah, he's he's in he's safer and and happier outside the country. Yeah. And he's got all this dirt on the essentially the current mob kings of uh, of the New York City and like evidence that they've committed crimes that could put them away. And so the whole deal here is that all of them need him to come back with this uh, with this like evidence he has so that they can get it. And they end up kidnapping Vanessa to that end. And so they want to do this big trade and they, uh, you know, they've hired Bullseye to help out. And it's like, yeah, we want to trade Vanessa for all of your intel on us. And it leads up to this incredible moment at the end where Kingpin thinks he gets one over on all of these uh, these mobsters and like has this sort of trick uh, briefcase that does this sonic blast and knocks everybody in the vicinity out, but he's wearing earplugs. And he's like, yep, got him. And he's like walking over to save Vanessa. But one of these guys was like just out of the radius and still can crawl and shoot, like I think like a grenade into the like the the big beams and stuff that Vanessa's tied to. And this whole like construction site cra- crashes down onto Vanessa, presumably killing her. And we get just these crushingly awful panels of of Kingpin, like slow zoom in on Kingpin as he's like realizing what's happened. And he just, oh, it's a spooky face as he's like, Vanessa, <laughs> like, oh, God, <laughs> I was I was legit freaked out. Yeah. Talk it. about like a morally complex moment where <laughs> a terrible person dies and her terrible husband is sad. And you're just like, I don't. Uh-huh. This is, this is... <laughs> Boy, I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> yeah. I yes. I was like reading it and I I felt myself go, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where like real character death comes around so infrequently in these comics that it, mm-hmm. it tends to stick the landing if you don't really bungle it. Totally. I wonder, like, presumably she's not dead. I mean, it's Marvel, right? Like they bring her back oh, somehow, I probably. Think, uh, so there is a, a large period of time Vanessa is dead, uh, just in, in canon. But I, I guess you could, so that I went straight to that. Uh, it is very possible that moment has not occurred yet and that she's fine under all that rubble. I yeah, I'd be interested. Because We have not um, seen the body. The, 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 the film rule applies. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure. Nobody sure. yet. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. I'm 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 really interested to see. I think there's at least one more issue of this storyline uh, that we'll be reading next week. So I, I'm I'm super excited for that. Did you um did you discuss who we who we thought shot the mortar? Did you? Say I that? think it was. I thought it was. Uh, well, I was confused a little bit, but right. Uh, it because it doesn't it doesn't actually say. But the hair kind of looks like the guy who drives him away in the car. I thought it, yeah, it Lynch. Does. It looks like it could be Lynch. It looks uh, like who Lynch because who is Lynch? Who is his sort of uh, number two? Maybe not in a in a criminal enterprise sort of way, but his number is sort of like personal number two. Yeah. Um, and he's and been who like is not a fan of Vanessa and how mm-hmm. uh, Kingpin behaves about her around her and um, yeah, all that. Yeah, I would not be surprised if that's a reveal. And knowing what we know as the readers, it's odd because usually, like this is again a character who would be. I don't know, either jealous or or oddly evil for not wanting his friend to be happy. Mm -hmm. But like knowing knowing what you know about Kingpin and his relationship to and with Vanessa, you're kind of like, maybe this guy's right. Maybe this relationship is bad news. Yeah. I mean, it also kind of seems like part of him is like resentful that Kingpin isn't the mob boss of New York anymore. Exactly. 
He's like, I want him. I want him to be out of this relationship. I want my so old boy. Can... I want the. I want my old boss back. Not this lovesick. Yeah. He calls him like a lovesick schoolboy or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, that's. I remember being confused. Not confused, but like, I was intrigued in that moment. Like, because I think the narration even is like, but one of them is outside the blast radius and can shoot. But mm-hmm. like that could easily be misdirection, so that it's actually Lynch. And I, mm, I don't know. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I had the same reading where it's like it's it's. The way that I I expect narration to be truthful, and when it yes. says one of the bad one of them, that I, I I took that to mean one of them and not somebody else who was on Kingpin's team and was right. secretly there with a secret plan to kill her. Right. But that doesn't mean that uh, I'm right. But uh, that's my assumption as a reader, and it, yeah. it's a little bit unfair to be like to use those narration squares. 99.99% of the time as like an as the word of god and sometimes as a you know as, as a mislead as yeah. a mislead as a, as an unreliable narrator <laughs> but there's no law saying you can't do that no i also if you if you've never seen vincent d'onofrio do kingpin like it's incredible and his vocal choice is like one of my favorite things like the way he talks and Sometimes, like, you know, obviously this is 1981, like this isn't necessarily modern Kingpin as we know him, but a few of the lines on the page felt like they could easily have come out of Vincent's mouth oh, totally. in like a perfect way. A lot of it is, this is a lot of the DNA is the same. No, Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio is, I mean, I think D'Onofrio and Cox are probably in the top five of all Marvel casting yeah. with, uh, with maybe um, Hugh Jackman. Who else is totally unreplaceable in those? I mean, Downey Jr. Downey Jr. Totally. You know, like, I I fully agree. This one, this one really got me. There's one of the ninjas or people that he's hired in in Tokyo or whatever, right? Uh, Makes a mistake of calling him Kingpin, because I guess he's given up that name now that he's off trying to be something else in Japan. And as he slowly breaks this guy into pieces, he says, there is no Kingpin. There is no, there's only Wilson Fisk, humble dealer of spices, an honest man, a quiet, gentle man. And I'm like, oh God, that's Vincent, man. That's that's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Shane, your, your red phone is ringing. Uh, The one that you only have for emergencies. Your phone is ringing. (laughs) Or when you've got a hot date and you're a Colossus. Oh. It's the red phone in the danger room. Oh, yeah. my red my red danger room phone. Well, ring, I better ring. answer it. I better answer it. Hello, hello, and welcome. <laughs> welcome to this week's Fuck Mary Kill, where we have one in the gun, one in the bum, and one who is the one. And I just what? Wait a second. Oh, do you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, friends. Klaus, and I have brought you a special bulletin. What? Um, Who is this? <laughs> Who, are you? Uh, Who are you, Klaus? I, I told you, my name is Klaus. Okay. I have come today because there will be no fuck, Mary kill. Instead, instead, we will play inside of Klaus's Would You Rather. Oh, my God. Klaus, you brought a new game for us. <laughs> today, Klaus, we, it, have a, we have a Would You Rather. I hear a sound when you talk, Klaus. What's, what's sort of going on with that? Oh, it's just my my little magical notepads that has all of my would you razzers. Oh. It's like Santa's elf, like Santa's own little elf. <laughs> <laughs> so today for the would you razzer, I have to ask you boys, <gasps> would you razzer have to stare at the Dazzler for the rest of your life while Pink Floyd plays? <laughs> or... Spends the rest of your life being crushed by Kingpin while he calls you Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I guess I'm gonna go Kingpin. I like that. There's a little really? sexual. There, well, there's like uh, there's a sexual implication that that I'm just getting wrecked underneath this dude calling me a girl's name, and I'm willing to I'm willing to degra- <laughs> to debase myself. Uh, I don't know that I just want to like sit and get blinded and listen. I know, to it. like you'd have- and, and you're like. You're like being blind. Like th- that's straight out of like the CIA torture handbook. Is like <laughs> blast one song and like fuck with the lights over and over again. 
<laughs> I know. I know. But I, I I have to say my my personal feelings are coming into this because I uh I hate I'm... being called Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have uh some mild to medium claustrophobia and the word crushed under that big man uh I feel like I feel like put even putting the pain aside and having him not call me my name which is very frustrating my name is Andy if the just the being crushed part I think I would be li- I would be forever in panic in a way that is like more intense than just like oh no a man is beating the shit in out a way of me. that it's most like, other people are super cool with being crushed slowly crushed to death it's like no for you, it's, it's extra I mean bad. <laughs> for me it's extra bad and that terrifies me <laughs> and so I think I'll have to go with being blind and listening to Pink Floyd <laughs> Because I don't know, maybe like I don't that's know what Dazzler's doing. Lauded man, that's like that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Just Pink Floyd playing constantly. I I feel like I feel like we don't know what Dazzler's up to. So maybe I can still like while the Pink Floyd is playing and while and maybe she's, she's doing, doing all a strip tease for you at the same time. Well, like, no, I mean like maybe I mean maybe maybe we're just having a nice conversation. Yeah, you maybe. know, probably not. I'm gonna say probably not. <laughs> but, I choose, but that's what I choose. What do you What do you do, Shane? Tell Klaus what you do. Oh, um. Well, Klaus, I I think I'd rather get crushed by Kingpin. Well, he's mm. calling you Vanessa. I I'm okay <laughs> with being called Vanessa. Like that's fine. I'm open to changing my name for you. I <laughs> I'll change the, whatever for you, Kingpin. <laughs> I I feel like Klaus wasn't very specific about how we're being crushed. It's true. How dare you? How fucking so- dare you? <laughs> So like, is he laying on top of me? Yeah, is I took. Like I read it semi-sexual to maybe very sexual. Is he stepping on me? Oh, is that what's happening? Are we doing a little like? Do you like step- that, Vanessa? <laughs> <laughs> I can barely see you down there, Vanessa. Oh, oh no. Um. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely also get. Crushed by Kingpin. Wow, all right. you all have such wonderful ideas. Okay, goodbye. Oh, Klaus, you were you. you oh, I thought so there was soon. a notebook have... full of of these. <laughs> well, for when he returns, I guess. I yeah, you'll have to so. wait until next time he shows up. I think. Well, Klaus, I had so many questions for you. I want to know. I want to know all about your life and your backstory. And and oh, damn I think it, he's gone. I think he's I'm sure gone. eventually he'll have answers for you, Andy. Don't worry. Damn. We can't damn. waste all the magic on one time. You know. I know, you know, it's not very often an, an impeccably voiced character <laughs> comes along like like Klaus, who, <laughs> you know, just completely upends your 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 whole world and makes you see things differently. A little German troublemaker with with, <laughs> <laughs> with a notebook of horny questions. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Klaus. Thank you, thank you, everybody. This is this has been really fun uh, and and very fruitful conversation. Actually, uh, I guess the takeaway here from issue forty eight is that if you haven't seen the Netflix Daredevil show, you should you should run off and and see it at your earliest convenience. I think it stands alone pretty damn well. Uh, and yeah, much love. Bye, bye, bye. bye.